Amanda, remember that time the great American novelist stole his material from his wife? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb. And this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. And it's me again. It's Anna again, (laughs) because friends, she got me. She finally got me. Miss Rona Dunn came. uh, I'm a public school teacher. It was inevitable. (laughs) I know. I I told um, my friend, who you know, I'm not going to say her name on the podcast, but I told her that... um, I was like, poor thing lasted all this time in a public school, got vaccinated as soon as she could, took all the precautions, lasted for so long. We're a month away from being out. Yep. (laughs) And then the Rona came. Yep. So I'm fine. Um, You haven't been too sick. You're just stuffed up. I feel like I sound terrible. Um, so Anna kindly offered to host again this week so I wouldn't have to do research. Yeah, or most of the talking. Yeah, because I don't, I, sonically, it's not, it's not the, (laughs) it's not the best over here. It'll be But otherwise I'm fine. (laughs) It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, okay, so it was up to me again to pick a topic. Uh So I, okay, there is a lot happening in the world right now indeed and my first thought was maybe i should talk about the history of roe v wade and then i thought maybe that'll be a bit too much for me like um mentally (laughs) so i decided instead that i would talk about just uh, I wanted to just t- choose a woman to talk about. Sure. And there are lots of awesome women on my list. And I thought for a moment about Jane Austen. And then I thought, nope, Amanda will be mad if I do that. She no, don't want to do it. Do, I have to do Jane. So, <laughs> exactly. So then I was like, what about another author? And then I looked over at my bookshelf. And there they were, all the F. Scott Fitzgerald stories that I have. And then I thought, his wife was a better writer anyway. Let's talk about her. Excellent. Yeah. You did your opener and I wanted to go, yes, I, I do remember that You time. nodded. Do, you were I nodding do, furiously. Yeah. <laughs> I do indeed remember that time. So, yeah. Well, before we get into that, would you like a drink update? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Wow. We just started going. I know. It's red wine, folks. A shock. Delightful. It's water. I'm trying to be good to my body. Well, yeah, you probably should. I mean, you have, you, you're sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. I've drank so call. much water over the past week. Yeah, well. That's how it be when you're sick. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you ready to talk about Miss Zelda Fitzgerald? Yes, please. I love her so much. I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay, so Zelda is born Zelda Sayer on July 24th, 1900 in Montgomery, Alabama. She's the youngest of seven or possibly six or possibly five children. I saw things on different different sources that. said different things Love um, when you just have no earthly idea yeah she was the youngest girl though okay. and sir and the youngest out of all of them i just uh, however I, many there however were. many there were um her mother regardless all of that too many children too many kids her mother is minerva buckner mini mansion matchin 
I don't know how to say her last name. And her father is Anthony Dickinson Sayre. Now, her father is a justice of the Supreme Court of Alabama. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah, he's well known. Um, And her mother chose her name and actually named her after two literary characters from kind of little known stories, which I thought was just kind of poetic. Yeah. Um, the stories were Jane Howard's Zelda, A Tale of the Massachusetts Colony. I don't know what that's about, but it sounds interesting. Yeah. And Robert Edward Francillon's Francillon? Uh, Zelda's Fortune is the other name of the book. So she was named after literary characters. Zelda isn't a super common name and even wasn't in the late 18 early 1900s Mm -mm. i would say that's it's not a suit it continues to be a not super yeah um, common name and anymore if people are named zelda it's after the video game which is named after her yes i know so it's after her (laughs) yeah yeah that's why i found it so interesting yeah um so the family descends from early settlers of long island who then moved to alabama um like shortly before the civil war oh okay so they're very prominent in the south sure. it's a well-known family um one of her i mean uncles, if you're the supreme court justice in alabama you kind of have to be a well-established family. <laughs> right like right. just sort of by nature exactly um one of her uncles served in the u.s senate Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Her, her paternal grandfather um, edited a newspaper in Montgomery, Montgomery, so he was kind of locally really um, okay. well known. And her maternal grandfather also served a partial term um, as a U.S. senator. Yep, one of those so, Duggan families. Exactly. So she's kind of a little bit of a socialite from birth in a way. Sure. Um, she's a pretty active child. She dances she takes ballet lessons which will come back later um so she um in 1914 attends sydney lanier high school um she's very smart but she's not really interested in school classic um she is like i said a little socialite so she's very active socially um, and she has a little bit of a penchant for scandal from the time that she's in high school. <gasps> Drama. <laughs> it was not new to her in the 20s to be, you know, scandalous and party. Oh so she's nothing like most of the women <laughs> around her, right? Because right. it's the South in the early 1900s. The All expectation those, is... Those Southern bells. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She drinks. She smokes. She hangs out with boys. <gasps> scandal god forbid um she (laughs) i saw this quote um where at one point she quote wore a tight flesh-collared bathing suit to fuel rumors that she swam nude (laughs) that's iconic behavior (laughs) i loved that and apparently the little quote under her high school graduation photo was why should all life be work when we all can borrow? Let's think only of today and not worry about tomorrow. Oh, Zelda. So I'll you really can come back to get you, huh? <laughs> yeah, you can see her philosophy, though. Yeah. Right. So that's most of what we know about, like, her childhood. Like, her mom was really doting. Her father more strict, you know, uh-huh. classic, typical. Classic. 
Um, but in 1918, she graduates from high school. And then soon after that, she meets one F. Scott Fitzgerald, who, by the way, I don't know how many people know this, but F. Scott Fitzgerald's full name is Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald. I did and he, know that, yeah. He is named after Francis Scott Key, you know, the writer of, <laughs> of the um, Star Spangled Banner, because yeah. they're distant cousins. Right. Yes, I knew that. I knew you probably knew that, but yeah. I just needed to throw in the fun fact because I don't know how many people know that. Yeah. But thank anyway, God he shortened he. Thank God he shortened it even slightly. I know we're gonna it's refer to him. Long. We're gonna refer to him as Scott a lot okay. throughout. Um, I think that's what most people called him. Called him. Um. So anyway, they meet in July of 1918. They meet at a country club dance. Um, of course. <laughs> and he's there because he had volunteered for the army and he's stationed at Camp Sheridan, which is like just outside Montgomery. Oh, okay. Because uh, he's from like Minnesota. <laughs> I can't remember now. We say it Confidence. later because we talk about it, but I think that's where he's from. He's from the Midwest. Yeah, Minnesota. That's what I thought. Okay. So anyway, they meet at this dance. Later... We're off to a great start in their relationship because later he uses this meeting as inspiration for the first meeting of Gatsby and Daisy in The Great Gatsby. Although that takes place at a train station, not a dance, but it's a he uses the happenings of their meeting as inspiration. Well, a lot about Daisy. Oh, we'll get to that. As a character. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. So they start, you know, what we would call dating. They're in a relationship. Um, the he, Yeah. He calls her pretty much every day. He goes to Montgomery on the weekends to visit her. And he tells her all about how he's going to be famous, a famous writer. And he actually sends her a chapter of the book that he's writing at the time, um, which will become This Side of Paradise, the novel. Um, and he's really, he's so taken with Zelda that he starts to base the main character of this story um, off of her. Wow. And the, so, okay, so again, off to a really good start. The soliloquy that the main character of this story gives near the end of the um, book is taken directly from Zelda's letters to Scott. Cool. So. Cool. <laughs> she has a really interesting writing style. She uses a lot of um, dashes and interesting punctuation. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think he found that interesting and was a little jealous that he couldn't do it. But that's just my uh-huh. personal opinion. Don't come for me. <laughs> Um, but just so we're continuing on with this theme, he plagiarizes a lot of her, of Zelda's diary while he's writing this side of paradise. Um, I'm going to read this quote because I think it just explains it better than I could. So in 1918, Scott showed her diary to his friend, P.V. Perrow, who then shared it with George G. Nathan. There was allegedly discussion between the men of publishing it under the name The Diary of a Popular Girl. So he was going to just snatch her diaries and publish them. Why was he just showing off her diary? That's a great question, Amanda. We'd have to get into a lot of the ethos of F. Scott Fitzgerald, but this Dude, is what I'm saying. They're not, not even, cool. they are still barely in a relationship and he's already taking material from her. Yeah. So this will become a very big theme. 
just yeah. you wait. I'm going to get real fired up real soon. I haven't yeah. even had that much wine, so get ready. <laughs> By the end of this, that's going to be finished and you're going to be raving. <laughs> Probably. I don't usually finish the glass while we record. No, we'll no. see. We'll see. T- today might be the day. <laughs> it might be the day. Um. So at the time... S- Scott is not Zelda's only suitor. She's got a lot of options. She's a popular girl. Um, And her family doesn't really like him very much because, well, he drinks a lot. But also, they're Episcopalian. He's Catholic. They don't love that. He's also sort of a nobody from nowhere, you know? Kind of, yeah. I mean, they're not... Probably compared to some of the other people that are courting her. Yeah, they're not like... um, like New York society rich and stuffy. Right. But they probably want someone who's more well-established. I could yeah. understand that. Or even just someone local. Old families <laughs> like that, you know, yes. will want somebody that's like kind of... She grew up with. Their yeah. families or, or are... Another family who's well-established mm-hmm. in the area. Like, Yes, you're totally right. That um, was more the culture in the South. Right. Um, but, you know, they do continue their relationship. It is briefly interrupted in October when he has to go somewhere else for, you know, the army. Um, he, th- <laughs> he thought he was going to go to France, but he didn't. He ended up in Long Island. Um, and while he's there, the armistice uh, with Germany, Germany is signed. So, oh, okay. you know, we're good to go now. So he goes back to Montgomery and they continue their relationship. Um, he's officially discharged from the military on February 14th of 1919. And he then goes back to New York because he wants to establish himself there because he wants to be a writer. And uh-huh. that's where the publishing scene is, right? Right. Um they keep writing to each other, and by March of 1920, um, he has sent Zelda his mother's ring, so they're effectively engaged. Right. Um, and then Scott's first novel, This Side of Paradise, uh, is finished, and it's picked up for publication. Okay. So he goes back to Alabama. and So he, now he's got, like, a place to live, a little yes, bit of money. He's exactly. a little more established, so now and, getting married is a little easier. And he tells his publisher, I want to publish this fast because, like, I got a girl I'm trying to marry. So he tries to speed up the process for the sake of marrying her. So he goes back. He tells Zelda, great news. We're going to have money now. And so she says, well, once it's published, we'll get married. So the book is published on March 26th of 1920. Zelda arrives in New York on March 30th. And they're married on April 3rd in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Nice. So, whew, that was a lot uh, for their courtship. It was pretty, pretty quick. Um, And, you know, it didn't start out great, seeing as he was already stealing her writing. And frankly, (laughs) it's not going to get much better. So buckle up. So the book does very well. It becomes really, really successful, which means that Zelda and Scott pretty much overnight become like celebrities in New York. Right. And great news, now it's the Roaring Twenties. So It sure is. There's lots of partying going on, and they are known for their excessive partying. They are kicked out of more than one hotel for being drunk. Um, they, they drink a lot. Um, publicly, they 
you know, they have a reputation for like these people like to party or whatever, but privately all that drinking leads to a lot of fighting. So right. A lot of animosity in their relationship. Of course. But on Valentine's day of 1921, Zelda finds out she's pregnant. Right. Okay. So they decide they're going to go to Scott's home in St. Paul, Minnesota. I knew I had that in here. Um, <laughs> To have the baby. So, on October 26th of 1921, their daughter, Frances Scotty Fitzgerald, is born. I just, it's a terrible name. (laughs) I don't mind it. His name being, no, well, it's just, just because his name is Frances Scott and they named her Francis Scotty just seems weird. Scotty is more of a nickname for her. I know, but they call her Scotty. Frances is cute. Like with an E, Frances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't mind the name. It's just that compared it's not to his that name weird. is silly to me. I don't That's know. That's not that like weird. It. People name their kids after themselves all the time. I know. It just feels <laughs> like this so is the girl version of this. I don't know. I guess. But that happens all the time. What are you talking about? I don't know. Look at Will Smith and his kids. Yeah. They did exactly that. So yeah. just saying. <laughs> with both of them. Yeah. Okay, so Scotty is born. And after Zelda comes to from her anesthesia, Scott records what she says. And here it is. I'm going to read it to you as a quote. Oh, God, Goofo, I'm drunk. Mark Twain, isn't she smart? She has the hiccups. I I hope it's beautiful and a fool. A beautiful little fool. Where do we recognize that from, Wait, folks? That, uh, Possibly that one of his most famous lines ever. Isn't that, just isn't that, okay. Just saying. A little familiar. Just oh, saying. Um, so Zelda's not very domestic. She hires a nurse for the baby. She hires a couple to clean the house. She hires a laundress. They're making a lot of money off of the book. But they're living well above their means most of the time. This is pretty typical for the 20s, right? Um, Especially a couple in their particular environment. Yeah. Um, In 1922, Zelda does become pregnant again. But it doesn't result in the birth of a child. It's not totally clear if she lost the pregnancy or if she chose to end it Mm. um there are a lot of reports of like something that scott wrote at the time like in his own journal or whatever about you know services she might have received but then it turned out that that hasn't has never been verified like that particular type of writing okay um now he was, again, writing another novel at the time called The Beautiful and Damned. And he writes a scene in which the main female character thinks she's pregnant. And then, you know, the male character s- says she should talk to some woman and find out what's best to be done. Most most of them fix it some way. But that's removed from the final version. So a lot of his writing is obviously based on Zelda and his relationship with Zelda, he puts a lot of that kind of stuff in the books. So a lot right. of people think, like, that's probably what happened. Yeah, but that we don't... scene might have been because of that happening in their real lives. Right, but we don't really know if that's One true way or the other. Or not. Okay. So, 
Speaking of this particular book, as it nears its publication, Zelda is actually asked to write a review for the New York Tribune of the book to, like, get people to buy it. Okay. And in it, she tells everybody, he used my diaries. So this is what she says. Again, it's a quote. It seems to me that on one page, I recognized a portion of an old diary of mine, which mysteriously disappeared shortly after my marriage, and also scraps of letters which, though considerably edited, sound to me vaguely familiar. In fact, Mr. Fitzgerald, I believe that is how he spells his name, seems to believe that plagiarism begins at home. Oh my god, get him! Got him! She got him so good! Roast him! Dang, get him! She got him real good. Wow. So you can imagine the marriage is going great. <laughs> yeah. If you're publicly publishing that. Yeah. And he as has a promotional a, tool. <laughs> he has a bit of a temper. So he did no way he liked that. Yeah. Um, but this piece leads to her getting a lot of other offers from other magazines. Good. Um, in June of 1922, she writes a piece for the Metropolitan Magazine called Eulogy on the Flapper, <laughs> which is supposed to be like talking about kind of the decline of the flapper lifestyle or whatever love Um, that it's a great title yeah she writes a lot of uh short stories and she sells more articles she helps scott to write a play called the vegetable um but it flops and then they shortly after find themselves in a lot of debt which was Um, typical for the 20s and awe so in april of 1924 they moved to paris Ah, yes. The solution to being massively in debt. Move to Paris. (laughs) Yeah, well, they weren't the only ones. Uh, No, again, (laughs) typical, but what a solution. Right. I mean, hey, listen, if I could do that, you should. Money money is fake anyway. Let's just go to a new country with new money. Completely, especially in the 1920s. Totally. Oh, yeah. It's fake. So they move to Paris, and shortly after they get there, they actually decide to relocate to a little town on the French Riviera. So that's where they spend their time when they're Mm -hmm. over in France. Um, And this is where F. Scott Fitzgerald starts writing The Great Gatsby. It's a very famous time of their lives. Right. Um, It's going great for him, not so much for her. Uh Uh-huh. Zelda starts a relationship with a young French pilot named Edouard S. Josin. Um, and after about six weeks of this affair, she actually asks Scott for a divorce. Right. He's not happy about this. He wants to confront him. But instead, he decides he's just going to lock Zelda in the house until she decides she no longer wants a divorce. Cool. Cool. And then later that year, uh, Josan leaves the Riviera and they never see each other again. Cool. So... That's the kind of people we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. So this if sort of effectively ends their relationship, her and Scott, right? Shocking. They're not really Shocking. Right. They stay together, they keep up appearances publicly. They still, you know, go out. Um, but Scott is spending so much time writing his novel, and Zelda feels really neglected and Absolutely. like she doesn't really have anything for her herself so she spends a lot of time partying um Mm. her substance abuse really picks up around this time and in september of 1924 she actually overdoses on sleeping pills um she survives this obviously because the story's not over yet um but they 
you know, she and Scott never talk about this incident again. That we don't actually know if it was intentional or if she just, you know, she was using a lot. Right. Um, they don't talk about it either. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we are. Um, Scott finishes The Great Gatsby in October. And they actually attempt to, like, celebrate this by traveling to Rome and Capri. But it doesn't go very well. They're not happy. They're not very healthy. Um, She is dealing with colitis on this trip. So she, I mean, she's, like, actually not well. Mm -hmm. Um, She, however, actually chose the name of the novel. Um, he mm. had a lot of other names that he was looking at for this and he couldn't decide and she liked the great Gatsby best. So that's <laughs> what they went with. He wanted to name it the just okay Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> I stole that joke from college humor. Very good. Very good. <laughs> it's good um, though. <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, I could talk about the great Gatsby for a long time. That's not what this episode is about. It is my favorite book, mostly because I find it super fascinating. Oh, yeah. I want to read it real bad now that we're talking about all this. Yeah, me too. I I need to reread it, like, immediately. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, to be fair, Gatsby, not actually that great. So you're not wrong. (laughs) He was was the just okay Gatsby. Yeah, he was the very, very rich Gatsby. Yeah. That's kind of where it ends. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so on this trip, she this is when Zelda starts to paint, ah, which is very yes, important because she's her paintings are. We'll talk more about them later. Mm-hmm. Um, so in April of 1925, the couple goes back to Paris, and this is where they meet Ernest Hemingway. Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway very famously had um, a friendship. Besties. Um, Scott was very invested in Ernest's career, mm-hmm. um, really tried to bring him up. Um, Zelda and Ernest do not get along. <laughs> they don't like each other. And Zelda accuses Scott of having an affair with Ernest, although there's no evidence that that happened. Um, but here's What's a quote. Here's a quote. Scott, nonetheless, decided to have sex with a prostitute to prove his heterosexuality, which, like, great job, bud. It doesn't look at all like you're overcompensating there. Um, And then Zelda later threw herself down a flight of marble stairs at a party because Scott was talking to somebody else and ignoring her. Oh, my God. So things are going really great. Fellas, is it homosexual of me to get accused of having a, a homoerotic friendship and then overcompensate by having sex with the prostitute. It's like, bud, you're not proving the point you think you are. It looks worse, honestly. I mean, Jesus like, Christ, you know, my guy. it looks more like the thing she accused you of when you do it. Like you're overcompensating, man. Oh, wow. Now, for what it's worth... I do think F. Scott. Uh, 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 I do think F. Scott Fitzgerald was alarmingly straight because nobody's behavior could be like this unless they are a straight cisgendered white man. I mean, <laughs> it's just a fact. That is so true. That is so right? true. And, you, well, it's not a question about, for me. <laughs> if you just think about his writing, it's so disgustingly masculine. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's so much. Hundred percent. Well, speaking of, um, <laughs> he draws a lot, like we already kind of touched on, on Zelda's very intense personality mm-hmm. in his writing. 
Um, so he's, you know, like we already said, he's spending most of his time writing and Zelda's getting more and more bored and isolated and they're fighting more often and she starts interrupting him while he's working and he doesn't like that. So they're fighting all the time. He is getting deeper and deeper into his alcoholism and she is getting more and more erratic. She really, around this time, wants to start carving out her own path. She really yeah. wants a talent that is her own. Absolutely. So, by the way, she's 27 at this point. Just oh, Let's just man. reflect on that. How old um, is he? He's not that much older than her. He is... No, I don't think so. He died at, I think, 44. And she, let's see, he was born in, he was born in 1896. She was born in 1900. So he's not that. He's four years older. Okay. Yeah. yeah, That's not that bad. It's not that much older than her. Um, so anyway, so around this time, she's 27. She starts getting very, very obsessed with ballet. Mm. So I told you that was going to come back around. She picks this up again and she is obsessed scott is very dismissive of her desire to be a professional dancer as you might imagine he thinks it's a waste of time but she insists on daily practices of up to like eight hours a day um it's like all she does and it's grueling because ballet is tough and in September of 1929, she's actually invited to join the ballet school of the San Carlo Opera Ballet Company in Naples, but she chooses not to go, um, which is wild to me because that is really the closest she could have gotten to the success that she wanted in dance. Right. But I think she just, this was what she was filling her time with at this point, right? Right. And and she is, frankly, a little old to be wildly successful yes. in ballet, which is unfortunate, yeah. but is the case. Like, 27's the very and high end of that she was never going to develop the skill that she might have had had she kept dancing from the time she was young right right so anyway so then in april of 1930 zelda is admitted to a sanatorium in france mm. um eventually she's diagnosed with schizophrenia Although later it kind of becomes more widely accepted that she was probably dealing with um bipolar depression yeah bipolar disorders got misdiagnosed as schizophrenia a lot a lot in the yes. early yeah it was because it was in women schizophrenia was kind of a catch-all for a lot of women yes um a yes. lot of women got diagnosed with schizophrenia for any kind of behavior or mood um if they could call it hysteria they if they could call it hysteria they could call it schizophrenia back then exactly what they yeah, would yeah, do. yeah yeah that was the, pretty much the direct line um before a lot was understood about either of those disorders that was it got misdiagnosed a yeah. lot as schizophrenia yeah so she gets admitted to the sanatorium in france she's not there too long like kind of just long enough to get diagnosed and then she gets moved to a clinic in switzerland um that clinic though kind of is not really equipped for what they've diagnosed her with like they mostly deal with like gastrointestinal issues Mm. so they move her again to a psychiatric facility um on the shores of lake geneva okay so she stays there for a little while, and then in September of 1931, she's released from that particular place, and they move back to Montgomery um, because her father is not doing very well. He's sick. Oh, okay. He's, he's dying. Um, and while they're in 
Alabama and her father is dying. Scott says, I'm moving to Hollywood. <laughs> Bye. My he guy. Leaves. He goes to Hollywood. And while he's away, Zelda's father dies. And she gets super depressed. Of Shock. course. So she, okay. So she was <laughs> admitted yep. to yep. a sanatorium. Yep. Um, and then a psychiatric facility for yep. her depression. Correct. And was released and then was dealing Moved with Moved across de- an ocean. Right. Was dealing with the death of a parent. Mm-hmm. And he decided that was the time to dip. Yep. Of course she was going to be depressed again. To she Hollywood. Not, yeah. Not even she, just dip. To go like have this glamorous life. Yeah. Right. She wasn't, she wasn't out of care for very long. And no. then immediately was thrown into a, a massively Correct. disruptive event, uh-huh. which already causes people to be depressed, even yeah. when they are mentally well. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> Boo. So, unsurprisingly, by February of 1932, she's back in another psych- psychiatric clinic. Of course she is. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. I feel so, so she, bad for her. This is yeah. rough. Well, you're about to feel worse. Get ready. Because this is the thing. We're about to get to the part that I get so... Mm-hmm, I get very fired up about this next bit. Okay. Yeah. So she's in another hospital. She goes to the Phipps Clinic at Johns Hopkins Medical Hospital. Um, or Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Can I just say, um, I hate that it's called Johns Hopkins. I know. It's it incorrect. trips me up every time. It feels trips bad in the mouth. Every time. Anyway. So while she's there, she has a sudden inspiration. Suddenly she can be creative again. And she starts writing a novel called mm-hmm. Save Me the Waltz. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So. This- Anna's about to get, you guys don't understand. Anna's <laughs> about to get so angry. I have angry. a lot of feelings about Save Me the Waltz. So this is a semi-autobiographical book about her early life and then a lot about her marriage. Mm-hmm. The book is very um, obvious, right? Right. Like, if you knew anything about their marriage, if you had heard anything I just said to you and you read this book, you'd be like, yes, of course, this is autobiographical. Yeah, if you knew anything, even the rumors about them, yeah. Yeah, she grows up in Alabama. She marries a painter who becomes very famous very quickly. You know, it's a a whole thing. Right. So she writes this novel. She sends it to Scott's publisher, Maxwell Perkins. So naturally, he gets a hold of the manuscript. Right. Scott. He reads it, um, and he is furious. And he's writing letters to her, berating her, because she has used all of this material that he was using in a book that he had been writing called Tender is the Night, which he had been working on for a long time. Ugh. And he forces her to remove the parts of the novel that drew from the shared material that he wants to use. Ew. Now, I have a ton of feelings about this, okay? Because I own Tinder is the Night. I've read it. I love this book. It's a great book. This is my complicated relationship with F. Scott Fitzgerald. Because I think he's a bad person, but I like his writing. But his wife's writing is also better. I've also read Save Me the Waltz. It's great. It's so good. And it's infuriating to me that it could have been better, <laughs> but he made her remove everything right. to use it in his book. 
which is less obvious to mm-hmm. to be fair it's less obvious that it's about their relationship but you know it's not quite as like on the nose mm-hmm. <laughs> but i just i mm, it makes me so mad <laughs> That he basically stole all of this material and said, I can use it, but you can't. Because we all know that material, most likely, is her writing. Let's be honest. Right. Right? That's what he picks from. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, man. Nonetheless, Save the Waltz is published on October 7th of 1932 in a printing of only 3,010 copies. Which is wild. Like. Yeah. You can get it, though. Yeah, now. And it, you can buy it, like, and I recommend it. Buy the book, read it for Zone. It's also just like she is the wife of one of the most famous authors of the time. You think they yep. would put up more of a stink about her writing a novel, right? Nope. Like that it would be better supported and. Uh, but he publicized. didn't support it. But he if didn't. He so had then supported the publishers it. Didn't have to. Yep. Right. But if he had supported it, his book would have been dead in the water. Right. And he was never going to let that happen. Right. So. It's not received very well by critics at the time. I mean, let's be honest. It was written by a woman, so they were never going to receive it all that well. Yeah. Um, it's very honest about her struggles, uh-huh. so m- men didn't like it. Um, <laughs> it only sold about 1,392 copies. And Wild. she earned $120.73 from this book. That is, ugh. ugh. And it's her only novel that she ever sees published. Man. And it makes me really angry because it's yeah. better. It's better than Tinder is the Night. It's better. And Tinder is the Night is a good book. You know? Yeah. It's better. I read it in college. We read them side by side. Right. And I I just, I remember being so upset. <laughs> I was this so is, upset. This is just for my curiosity. What class was that for? Uh, it was for, I don't remember what the class was called, but... um. One of our mutual teachers taught it. I don't know if I want to say her name on the podcast because she doesn't agree. But it was for like a, um, I can't remember if it was like a women in lit class or an American lit class. I can't remember. Okay, I was just curious. Um, but I'll tell you after who that's fine. Who brought it to me? Because you'll be like, oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So huh, that drama aside, Zelda continues to be mentally unwell throughout the mid 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes a play called Scandalabra, which I think is great. It's <laughs> incredible and name. It's like a fantasy farce. Oh my god, I love that. And a small theater group in Baltimore did put it on in 1933, but it was not it, people couldn't follow it. It was too rambly. Okay. Like it, there was too much going on, they couldn't follow it. So people didn't like it. Um, and she kept painting and some of the paintings she had created, um, while she was in and out of, you know, facilities, sanatoriums, clinics were exhibited in 1934, Mm. but they also didn't get a great public response. I like her paintings. I do too. We'll talk more about her paintings. (laughs) But, um... You know, she's she's not doing well. She's getting very violent and really reclusive. Well, of course she, she is. She's, and she's, like, frustrated that none of her yeah. creative efforts are being received. Right. And then in 1934, 
Tender as the Night is published, which right. eventually beca- becomes um, F. Scott Fitzgerald's last novel. He doesn't publish mm-hmm. any novels after that. But, um, you know, that probably doesn't help. Um, and then in 1936, she Zelda's moved to another institution called the Highland Hospital in Asheville, North Carolina. And in 1937, F. Scott Fitzgerald takes a job in Hollywood for $1,000 a week with MGM. So he's basically gonzo. Right. Right. He just, he just um, checked her into another institution and then did. Yeah, he put her into the institution in North Carolina and then he left again. Yeah, typical. I mean, that happens he, to so many women. Yeah, he also starts an affair with a movie columnist named Sheila Graham. Yes. Um, but he's also not doing great, right? Like, he's he's not doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I only add this in because it's relevant to, like, their relationship. So their daughter gets thrown out of her boarding school in 1938. Oh. And well, I have to imagine she's not doing so hot either with this being well, the situation of her childhood and et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess whose fault it is, according to F. Scott Fitzgerald? No one else but Zelda's. Of course it's her fault because he now thinks that Zelda has ruined his life and career. That but all like, of this stuff that's happening to him is because of her not being stable. Right. And it's, but like, it's like, hey, my man. But you're also not stable. So yeah, what are also, you talking like, about? You have been, she's been in and out of institutions, right? So that means that you have to be the stable parent for the child. And so right. if if the child's not and doing he's well. The breadwinner. And you're going to blame a parent for lack of stability. It's you, my yeah. guy. And he's like, the breadwinner. He makes the money and supports the family. What's she supposed to do? Yeah. He he killed her novel. Or she could have made some of her own money. Yeah. But he and killed then, her novel. And then turned the broader culture against her so that her exactly. other creative works couldn't succeed either. Exactly. Like, it's that's all on you, my man. Yep. Oof. Yeah. So, that's great. Yeah, I was just thinking that I had to imagine that their daughter wasn't mm-hmm. doing so hot with all no, of this. No, she's not doing hot. I mean, she does end up going to Vassar, um, Scotty, the daughter. Uh-huh. And she actually has a pretty successful um, career. I think she also becomes a writer. But, um, yes. you know, she ends up mostly okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, good. Um, in 1938, Scott has a very violent fight with his mistress, Sheila Graham. And he goes back to Asheville. Oof. And again, I'm mentioning this. It doesn't sound like it's going to be relevant, but it is. So a group from Zelda's hospital had planned to go to Cuba. Hmm. And Zelda misses the trip for some reason. She doesn't get to go with them. So when he comes back, they decide they're going to go. Right. They're going to go to Cuba. Um, I don't know if they thought they were going to try to rekindle or just both take some time, you know, away from their environments or what Uh they went. And it doesn't go well at all because F. Scott Fitzgerald is deep into his alcoholism and he's not doing great. He's beaten up because he tries to stop a cockfight. Okay. And then he's sent back to the U.S., basically. Um, and he's hospitalized after oh that because he is super drunk. He's super exhausted and he's not doing great. So he gets sent back. And then Zelda and Scott never see each other again. After wow. This. So. Wow. So after he gets out of the hospital, he goes back to Hollywood and back to his mistress. And she goes back to the hospital. 
wow. and never see each other again. Man. Yeah. Um, in March of 1940, Zelda's released from the hospital. Wow. So she was in and out of hospitals for a long time. Yeah. She's 40 now. She's almost wow. 40 when she gets released. Um, and she, you know, all of her friends are gone. Mm-hmm. Because they've all moved on. Her whole is gone. Yeah. They don't have any money anymore because right. Scott's been out blowing all of his money. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, he's, he becomes more and more bitter with Hemingway's success, which is wild to me, because it's like, you gave him the success, but okay, whatever. Right. Well, and it's also like, that's the kind of thing with, with people like that, and those um, yeah. early American authors. That, he was very egotistical, too. Well, in so. the, the culture of what was popular in the literary scene changed mm-hmm. really quickly at this time period. Like, people were trying yeah. to discover what American literature was. And know? it was really like, there can only be one yes it was there was always a guy and it was really in flux and this is the period when it was really in flux and so if if scott scott fell out of favor and hemingway starts to rise it's because his style is more accepted right now 100 you know but scott and zelda do write to each other um up until the time of f scott fitzgerald's death at the age of 44 in december of 1940 so it's not long after they separate that he passes away like separate officially his his health and his alcoholism that eventually yeah i think he let me see if i can find because i don't remember the exact um cause of death yeah he just he like collapsed Mm. um yeah it looks like he had a heart attack i think is what okay okay would he had some sort of coronary, coronary disease. He had an episode and he, he died. I knew he okay. ha, he wasn't, like, he had gotten sober for a while, but, that, but then, like, basically died from the effects of his alcoholism, I think. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't remember what the exact event was, but he, like, he collapsed. Um, but Zelda doesn't go to his funeral. Oh. Um, she doesn't get to go. Oh. She also misses her daughter's wedding. She doesn't. She doesn't Man. go to her daughter's wedding. Um. So he had Scott had been working on another book at the time of his death called The Last Tycoon. Um, Zelda actually read the unfinished manuscript and like sent it to someone else to edit. Um, but after she read the manuscript, she decides that she's going to start working on another novel of her own called Caesar's Things. Um, but, you know, so in August of 1943, she goes back to Highland Hospital. So she admits herself again, or she gets admitted again to the hospital. And she keeps working on her novel, and she's kind of in and out of that facility for the next few years while she's writing. Um, and then on the night of March 10th, 1948, a fire breaks out in the hospital kitchen. Oh my gosh. And she's locked in a room because she's waiting for electroshock therapy oh my gosh and the fire moves up the dumbwaiter shaft and it spreads onto every single floor the fire escapes are also wood so they burn up um and nine women including zelda die in the fire wow whoa that's wild that's a really wild way for her to go she is identified from her dental records 
Um, and some reports say that she's identified from um, one of her slippers, mm. but it was probably from her dental records, let's be honest. Wow. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, it's sad. That's very sad. It's very sad. What a, it's like a freak accident. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Scott and Zelda are buried in Rockville, Maryland, um, in, originally in the Rockville Union Cemetery, and it's away from his family plot. Um, there's only one photograph of their original gravesite, which I found interesting, and interesting. it was taken in 1970 um, by a Fitzgerald scholar named Richard Anderson, and it was first published in 2016, the picture. But at their daughter's request, they're actually moved um, later, and they're interred with the other Fitzgeralds at St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery. Mm. Um, So they're (laughs) – and their tombstone is inscribed with the final sentence of The Great Gatsby, which, for those who don't know, is, So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Which is like a beautiful epitaph. Mm-hmm. But a little bit of a slap in the face to Zelda. To Zelda, yeah. Um, yeah. I find that very interesting. Yeah. So, after they're gone, um, you know, the general perception is that Zelda is this woman who destroyed the career of this really promising writer. And he, like, <sighs> fell into ruin and could have published a lot more books if not for her. But, I mean, we all know that's nonsense. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But the good news is that in 1970... um a book is written by Nancy Milford, who is um, at the time a graduate student at Columbia University, and she writes a biography about Zelda. Um, and it's the first book length treatment of Zelda's life. Mm. And it really causes um, a shift in the yeah. attitude. Because it's like a real retelling of their marriage and their time together. Well, and telling the story from her perspective and not through the mm-hmm. lens of Scott. Right. Um, this says, the book recasts Zelda as an artist in her own right whose talents were belittled by a controlling husband. Which is yeah. true. And then, so in the 1970s, Zelda becomes a feminist icon. Of because course. there's a big feminist movement going on. And she is seen as this underappreciated potential that just got suppressed by her husband which is true so she ends up being a pretty big you know big deal um her artwork um has also been reappraised um and now people like it (laughs) um she this i found this quote interesting it says after spending much of the 1950s and 60s in family attics Zelda's mother even had much of the art burned because she disliked it. Her work has drawn the interest of scholars. So she had exhibitions in the U.S. and in Europe, and now people really love her art. I love her art. I think yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a little and abstracty. Then, yeah. yeah, it's very clear that it's – she depicts herself a lot in the mm-hmm. paintings, you know. And then in 1992, she was inducted into the Alabama Women's Hall of Fame. Good. Rightfully so. And that's Zelda. Oh, man. What a life. Oh, also, was it Tennessee Williams? I think it was somebody wrote a play about, like, that was loosely based off their marriage. And yes. I think it was Tennessee Williams. Yes. But, um, yeah. I also can't so, think of it. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Um, but that's Zelda. I think she's so fascinating. And the story is obviously really sad, but mm-hmm. she's so talented. And, you know, it, it's weird for me because, like I have said, I, I'm a fan of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Great Gatsby is probably my favorite book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like his writing. I think he's a very good writer. But he would not be as good without her. Yeah. Obviously, he stole her work. Yeah. You know, more than once. Frequently. Yeah. He just saw a talented young lady and latched right on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he immediately started taking her writing from her. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad. It is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Read read her novel for real. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've read Tender is the Night. You're going to like this better, I, th- I think. I do anyway. <laughs> and again, again, I love Tender is the Night as a novel. It's a great novel. Mm-hmm. But uh, hers is better. That was a good one, sis. Thanks for taking it for me. Yeah. Well, hey, I enjoyed doing the research. I've yeah. thought about uh, doing an episode about her for a long time. And yeah, she's been on the list for a long time. Felt appropriate to talk about a woman who was so deeply um, suppressed by a man (laughs) in these trying times and about how much damage that can do to a woman um, or any person, (laughs) but in this case, a woman. Um, So, yeah, that's Zelda. Yeah. Loved it. I love her. I love Mm -hmm. her. I mean, she wasn't perfect, but fascinating. Yeah. All right. Well. Hope y'all enjoyed this one. Um, hopefully, Amanda's speaking voice is better for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, just real quick, while we're kind of on the topic, if you could donate or spread the word about your local uh, women's health facility funds, um, that would be really great. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I mean local, like Planned Parenthood is a wonderful organization, but they get a lot of funding. And right now, the important thing is to fund local facilities that are helping people where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, That's going to be really important. So that's my little PSA for this one. (laughs) Um, I don't know what the deal is going to be next time. That's up to my sister. Hey. Hey, old. Who's to say? Who's to say? Oh, it'll be. No, not quite Pride Month. We'll have one more. I was going to say, it better not be Pride. I'm going to panic. I got some stuff to do. (laughs) No, we'll have one more before Pride Month. Yeah. So, um, but we're getting there. Yeah. Um, if anybody has any suggestions for what they'd like us to talk about in the future, hey, if you got Pride Month topics, that'd mm-hmm. be, we would love to hear them. Um, you can send those to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. I almost said it wrong, but we got it. You can also follow us on Twitter at RTTPod. Um, and we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Yay. I didn't finish the wine. So oh, wow. everything's okay. Everything's fine. 
Um, we'll see if I finish it next time. So until then, next time. <laughs> You're so sorry. No, wait, hold on. A great transition, but I'm laughing <laughs> at the idea you of you ruined still. It. I know, but the idea <laughs> of you still working on the same glass of wine in two I weeks. I meant a different it. glass. <laughs> no, I know, but that's the mental image that um, appeared to me, and I had Ew. to express that. This is going to be sitting on this table for two weeks. Let's see how it goes. No, I'm uh-huh. kidding. That won't happen. Uh-huh. Until next time. <laughs> Remember that time. <laughs>